0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about people who are more comfortable being their parent's child than they are being an adult or just a partner in general. And um, this is a common thing that I see in counseling. Uh, Before we get to that topic, though, my most recent subscriber episode was why I don't tell both partners to change in all of my posts and podcasts. So uh, that one is interesting. I also have so many others, 130-something others, I think. Um, Actually, you know, I always say that, and I never know how many I have, and... um, should I look? No, I don't care. <laughs> it's like 127 No, but It's probably 130. So that's what we're going to go for. Um, anyway, so you should be joining. That's $8.99 a month uh, for like untold hours. You could stay awake for like close to two days listening to my shit if you were a lunatic. Um, just the subscriber episodes, one after the other. So that's a lot of listening. So it's well worth the money. And if you don't want to pay for that but you want more content... Kind- Content, you should join my facebook group that is the blue subscribe button on the dr psych mom facebook page there are close to 400 people there more by the time you hear this and it is smart engaging people that interest me and our discussions are interesting and i have a pretty high bar for what's interesting because i hate small talk and nobody is an asshole because i got a question are the same people that are on the main facebook page in the group the ones who are super argumentative no, even a tiny paywall of $4.99 a month is enough to keep people out most of the time. And there's been a couple of people I've thrown out because they've been assholes. So there's a lot more moderation in there than out on the main page. All right, anyway, so what kind of parenting leads to a child who will not individuate as an adult? What does individuate mean? So let, let's let's just go back to basics. So when you are born, you are a baby, and you're supposed to be very close to, obviously, independent dependent on your parents— And then as you get older, you know, you just gain more and more independence and you become your own person. That's the process of individuation. And when you're an adult, then you are really your own person fully. You can, it's not like you don't love your parents anymore. Of course you do. But you should be able to stand on your own two feet physically, emotionally. Um, You should be able to start relationships by the time you're a young adult. Have a job. Support yourself. Does that mean parents can still give their kids money? Of course not. Do what you want. But, you know, I mean, there is certainly a difference in, independence and basically uh, confidence in somebody who can support themselves and be in relationships and have their own friends and drive a car or whatever the case may be, whatever signifiers in that culture are the signifiers of being your own person, the more of those, the better really in terms of developing healthy self-concept as somebody who can rely on themselves and who is not still a child. Because being a child has many positives, but as you get to be an adult, it has many negatives as well, which include that you don't make your own decisions, you don't have confidence in yourself, you don't feel like you can really count on yourself. So we all know in you know, our families, or hopefully um, this isn't you. Maybe it is. Maybe it's your spouse. That wouldn't be the two main sorts of people who would be interested in this podcast is if this either reminds them of their spouse, what I'm about to say, or themselves. Somebody who is really still anxious about being out on their own in the world as an adult and really relies too much emotionally, sometimes physically or financially, on their parents. And they... um often revert to somewhat of a childlike role around their parents. And they defer to their parents, they ask their advice a lot, like they they can't really make any decisions without running them by their parents. And this can this isn't just in their like early twenties when they're just getting used to being out on their own. This goes on through the thirties, forties, fifties. I mean, there's people who until their parents die, you know, they they cannot make a decision without asking their parents, and and that's that's tough. It's tough to live like that, and um, it's really hard for their partners because their partners are often trying to start this life. You know, where we are two people who rely primarily on each other, and that would be the healthier thing for a person as they get older, and especially when they become a parent themselves, that they take on fully the role of adult and parent and partner, you know, to their spouse, and then the role of child to your parents becomes secondary, you know, that falls in the priority list, and you're really focusing on your own life, and of course, you could see your parents and talk to your parents and whatever, but the dynamic does not um, generally for healthy people, the dynamic still is not that you are a child when you're an adult. So what kind of parenting leads to children who find it hard to individuate and separate and become their own people? Well, parents that talk down to their kids, that are always saying that they are smarter and that they know better um, – Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Succession, but you should see Succession. That's a really great show for four seasons. I watch it with my husband, and um, I'm always scared to talk about shows on these until I'm fully done with them because I'm scared somebody will spoil the show for me. But this one I'm done with, so, you know, anybody could talk to me about it and um and logan roy was always calling his kids idiots he was this big uh media giant and he had made his own business classic self-made man it's really interesting if you're self-made man to watch this self-made woman anything and he was just uh his kids could never get to where he was cuz they were never going to be self-made you know he was so wealthy and he set them up so fully and that they could never really impress him because he had been the one to build his empire and no matter what they did they would not be starting from nothing like he did you know and he's classic narcissist and so parents who are very self-absorbed and who are more narcissistic and they have their story as this kind of uh either the scrappy underdog or the um The Self-Made Man. I have a podcast about when your dad acts more alpha than you and how that affects men. Just put the word alpha into the Spotify search engine um, for Dr. Psych Mom Show. And, or when your father out-alphas you, I think it's called. And so when the parent is very self-absorbed in this way, their story is like they, they have this main character energy. They're always the protagonist of the story. And they make the child feel stupid and feel inconsequential. And so then the child never really develops any confidence in their own decision making they always assume that the parent is going to make a better decision the parent sometimes outright tells them do not pick an apartment without me seeing it don't write an email to your boss without me seeing it and how does this start with like the parent who intervenes with teachers and counselors and and, you know whoever and the parent is always saying no I need to look over your homework before you submit it or I need to look at your project or it's better if we do the project together or don't worry about about that because I'll talk to the teacher about it or you know like like whatever the parent is always coming in and not allowing the child to increasingly as they grow take on more ownership for their own life and resolve their own problems instead the parent comes in now the parent could either be happy to do this so you know they could be somebody whose whole life is really centered around the child you know and so they're too involved and they're too over uh attached so that's called enmeshed There's a good book about an enmeshed mother-daughter relationship, uh, How to Love Your Daughter by Hila Bloom. You should read that. Or they could come into it like the Logan Roy character on Succession who just thinks that they're so stupid, the children, compared to him that he just has to deal with everything. So it could be either a positive or a negative spin, but either way, the upshot is the child doesn't learn to deal with anything themselves. And so if you're thinking, well, what am I supposed to do if my child has a problem in school? Well, generally, the child, especially as they get older, later elementary years, middle school, definitely high school, you would give your child a few passes, you know, a, a few attempts to, to resolve this themselves. You know, whatever it is, whether it's a grade or that is the issue or they didn't get into a class or they're having a social issue or whatever, Generally, we try to give the child increasing responsibility to deal with their own life. Because otherwise, when they go off to college, they are going to continue to call you for every tiny thing. And while that may sound great, especially to people who do not have much else going on in terms of their own, you know, uh, marriage being fulfilling or have, you know, uh, their their own interests, really. So for parents who are primarily focused on the child and who are you know, um, more invested then in in the child than possibly they should be, what I call over focus on the child. That sounds great. Oh, the kid's going to call me all the time. Cool. But you know, that's not really that great unless they're just calling you to shoot the shit. If they're calling you constantly to tell them what to do, then that's because they don't have the confidence to just fuck around and find out what they should do. You know, and then they never develop that skill of like making mistakes, like failing. There's a book, The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy that is about this, that if parents don't give the child a room to fail, then the child does not learn and they don't grow. So They need to have increasing independence as they grow up. And when they don't get that, So if you, if you feel like this resonates with you, that you have lack of confidence and continually defer to your parents or your spouse, if your spouse never really individuated in this way, it's not just because they are too passive or they can't set boundaries. It's also because from a very young age, it was inculcated in them and they internalized the idea that they just aren't as good at life as their parents. And so their parents need to make all the decisions before they irrevocably fuck something up you know and so that's a really hard frame to break away from it's very hard to change that self concept as somebody who is kind of incompetent and thank god has the parent around because that's the feeling that's the, the that, that's how the parent acts thank god you have me because you're so stupid you know and and sometimes it's not so stupid sometimes it's you know you're you know you're brilliant so you can't really you know worry about little things like forms or like your lawn or like cleaning up, I'll do all that stuff for you. You just focus on your schoolwork because you're so brilliant. So some people have that, right? Or some people are just so beautiful and the parent or, and so charming and so social, and so the girl has this wonderful social life and she's so cute and beautiful. And the father just takes care of everything else because that's his princess, and she should only focus on having fun and going out with her friends and whatever. Now, does this come always from parents um, having bad intentions? Oh, it, it almost never. Comes from parents having bad intentions. Not even in Logan Roy. I mean, that got a little weird. You know, there was, a, you know, it was a TV show, so everybody's intentions were always being um, examined, and there was bad intentions and conspiracies, whatever. But the point is, nobody really, even including him, nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to really fuck with my kid today, you know, what I'm really going to do is fuck with their self-esteem, and leave them 5% less confident in themselves and their ability to be a human being by the end of the day, as they are right now, because I'm going to come in and make all these remarks and whatever, nobody's really trying, people are trying to love their kids and live their life, and for especially very busy, successful people, things seem like you have like not a lot of time in the day, you know, and um, that is another sort of parent that, that leads to this. So it doesn't always have to be somebody enmeshed with the kid. It doesn't always have to be, you know, somebody self-made. I see it also just in very busy, successful people who have a very... Um, all-encompassing careers, and so for them, they're like, do I have the 10 minutes to tell my kid how to do the laundry, or should I just do it slash have somebody else do it? So with enough of those things happening, eventually you get to have a kid who doesn't know how to do anything, because you didn't ever really take the time to show them how to do it, and the, the time that you thought, oh my god, what if they fuck something up, and then I have to deal with it? What if they cook something, they leave the kitchen a mess, I have to deal with it? So if you're very busy, that dealing with it feels intolerable to the point that you just do everything yourself. And also another sort of person that does not want to deal with things is somebody depressed or anxious. So for a de- so so, let's say that it's a stay-at-home mom, and she's very depressed and overwhelmed, right? So instead of allowing the five-year-old to help with cleaning up so that he could learn, oh, I help cleaning up, this is something I do, and then by the time he's a six-year-old, he's confident that he knows how to sweep up or whatever – She's like, oh, my God, he's going to make the mess worse. I can't deal with it. I don't even have one more nerve left. I'm going to scream at these kids if he fucks up. So I'm just going to get him out of here, put him on the Xbox, and then I'm going to clean up the room because I cannot deal with it. So when people when parents feel very tapped out and overwhelmed, they also um, do too much for their kids because they're scared. Of two things, they're scared of the intensity of the engagement, having to sit there, make eye contact, teach them what to do. That feels yeah. Deal with the questions about it. The whole teaching process feels overwhelming to somebody who's depressed or anxious. Um, also, sometimes people were raised by parents who never. Most of the time, if you can't do this, you were raised by parents who couldn't do it. So you really have no idea how to teach anybody anything because you were never taught anything. And uh, also, you know, they're scared of the noise. Like it's very like noisy, messy. Like that becomes overwhelming to somebody who's highly sensitive and really anxious and depressed. It's, you know, the idea of the child making the mess worse or all the clatter or the spilling, you know, it sounds silly to people who are not struggling with depression or anxiety, but the noise itself is something that many, many depressed and anxious women that are highly sensitive struggle with to the point that I recommend earplugs to like almost every woman who comes in (laughs) is like in the young mother stage, just fucking put in some earplugs or some airpods you could still hear them anyway but like literally it just takes it down a few decibels to the point that you could engage differently but that's an aside so the next point is what do you do if this resonates with you well Couples counseling can really help. A major thing that we do in couples counseling is we set boundaries with in-laws with parents and we help people develop their own identity as an independent couple, you know, and in, in individual therapy, of course, we would help the person develop their identity as an individual individual, you know, and from there, they could become a good partner or parent or what have you. But understanding that it isn't that you are a fuck up. It isn't that you're just like this incompetent loser, like you may think, or or this person who never knows as well as your parents know what to do. It's you were trained to think think that way. And that's the epiphany is that you just were not given these um, growth moments. You were not given any opportunity to learn and grow and fuck up and and then figure it out because you were always being coddled or protected from this or kept away from failure by a parent for various reasons, none of which means they're a bad person, but all of which could have had the um, intended uh, unintended effect of making you more dependent and for some parents subconsciously against they're still not bad people but subconsciously they do want you to be dependent because that's their whole reason for being alive is to be your parent they don't have a lot of other stuff going on and this is something that they get off on is always knowing best and being the one that you come to and having this quote close relationship and it's something they tell their friends about and like they get off on it you know they and they, again does not mean they're a bad human being, but it may mean that they tend toward having an identity that is kind of at odds with your identity as a burgeoning adult and may sabotage your ability to feel self-confident and to feel strong as a partner and as a parent. And it also precludes the development of a close marital bond because you're basically married to your parent. If every time that you have a big decision to make, you ask your parent, you're supposed to be talking to your spouse. So. There's a lot of people, and I have an article called When the Wife's Mother Unintentionally Boxes Her Son-in-Law Out of Parenting, and I see this a lot, where like, the, wife's, the woman's mom basically becomes the husband. And it's the two of them parenting the baby and the baby comes home from the hospital and they start right away, the two of them. And he never learns anything, the guy, because everybody can do it better and everybody says he's doing it wrong. That's called maternal gatekeeping. And you know what? He never diapered a baby before in his life anyway. So he just increasingly you know, he doesn't like the negative feedback, it's hard to do, they seem to have it covered, so it kind of pro this, the, the the over-involvement of the woman's mother, which is with the best of intentions, can unintentionally make the man so much less confident as a dad, he misses a little bit of his window to bond with the baby, he never exactly learns how to do it, then he gets criticized when he does it wrong, and it's kind of this bad scene that ends up with him taking a bunch of boys' weekends during the baby's first year, because nobody fucking needs him around anyway, and and then later on, she perceives that he wasn't involved, but the situation was such that it would have been hard for him to be involved. And of course, there's many men where it goes the opposite direction, where the wife's m- the mother is lives on the opposite coast, you know, or something, and she only flies in after six months because the, the, her daughter's crying to her that the guy is still, you know, partying and drinking and whatever, gaming and acting like he doesn't have a baby and she really needs help and she's depressed. So... You know, that can also go the other direction, that she's coming in to remediate a need, which would be a good thing for a mother to do, right? So if your child really needs you, then, you know, you come. But, you know, your child's got to try to figure it out themselves and or with their spouse in an ideal way, in an ideal relationship. They would look to the spouse first, you know, before, before they look to the parent to be really, you know, in the place of a spouse, So anyway, I hope that this gave you guys a lot to think about. It's certainly something that we work on in therapy, both individual and couples. This is a lot of the core work of insight-oriented psychotherapy is figuring out who you are in relation to your parents, how you were raised to think about yourself, the relation between your self-concept and you know your family of origin, as well as are you being the parent that you want to be? Are you unintentionally replicating some of these dynamics of enmeshment? I mean, are you unable to you know even have confidence with your own children so that they end up treating you kind of like your parents did, which is very common in my podcast, Stop Letting Your Kids Treat You Like Garbage? Frequently, people are used to a parent that tells them what to do, so that's the only role they know is to get told what to do, and so they basically create little monsters of their kids that tell them what to do because that's the role they're comfortable in is being somebody's uh, slave, you know, and that's not good for your kids either. All right, so this is a lot to think about and if it's you, if you think that you are the person who struggles with your self-concept being too enmeshed with your parents, then certainly your spouse would be interested to listen to this podcast because you're taking something on and saying this is my issue that I have to work on. But this would not be a popular one to share with your spouse and say, see, you're too enmeshed with your parents. In that case, you would try to get into couples counseling and bring up the partner's over-involvement with his slash her parents, you know, with, as one of the main things that is being worked on in therapy. All right. I hope you guys found this interesting, and I'll talk to you all soon.